Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything in the name of Jesus. Everything through him. In California in the 1960s, the hippies began to have children and they came up with creative names for their children. Uh, you would hear names like children being named Moonbeam, Little Time Warp, Frisbee. So what the teachers of the five and six-year-olds would do when a new student would arrive is they would make the parents write down the name of their child and put it on a sheet of paper and hand it to the teacher. The teacher would then put it in the roll so they'd know what, what name to call the child. Well, one new little one arrived and handed the paper to the teacher, and the teacher looked on the paper and wrote down the word fruit stand. So all day long, uh, calling that student fruit stand. But, but the problem is the student never reacted to the name fruit stand. At the end of the day, she turned the paper over, and there was the name Antony. Uh, <laughs> she had looked on the wrong side of the paper. We've got to get names right. Our society stresses the importance of a name. When a president signs his name on a bill, that bill becomes law. If you sign a contract, you're obligated because you signed your name on that contract. Back in the 1980s when we were raising our five children, I didn't have anything left over at the end of a pay period. Uh, I had a member that came to me and gave me a sob story that he had to have 500 right now. And I said, brother, I don't have it. And he said, well, you know, I, the, I don't have enough credit to get a loan, but would you mind going to the bank with me and co-signing a loan for $500? And so I went as a naive person and co-signed that loan, and I never saw that man again. And that meant I had to pay the loan because my name was on that loan. One of the problems we have that talks about the importance of our name is a growing problem in the United States of identity theft. According to a government website, in 2022, the last full year, 1.1 million people lost their money to identity theft in the United States. What's interesting to me is that the biggest segment, 25% of that 1.1 million were people in their 30s. I would have thought people in their 30s would be a little more savvy, but that tends to be the ones who are more, most gullible to lose their identity to identity theft. Well, we see the importance of Jesus, not only in a passage like this, but as you walk through the New Testament. So what I'm going to do as a part of the introduction is walk through verses in two chapters of Acts to look at the way the early church operated and just show you how significant, how central the name of Jesus was. We learn in Acts 3 that the church was going constantly to the temple to pray and to have its meetings, it also met in homes. But one day they were going to the scheduled three o'clock prayer meeting in the afternoon when Peter and John walked by and there was a man who laid at that same place every day, a long time lame person. And the man did what he did to everybody that walked by, alms please, alms. And look what, Je what Peter did in chapter three, verse six. Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. Now watch. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Do you see how he used the name of Jesus here? And I love the way the King James put it. It said he went walking and leaping and praising God. And that caused a stir. 
Because everybody recognized this man as a man that was a lame man, same place, same time, every day laid there to beg. So a crowd gathered around and Peter wanted to make it clear. He didn't heal that person. Look at chapter three, verse 16. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So that faith that comes through Jesus have, have given, has given this given him this perfect health in front of you all. He says, now let me make it clear, it was the name of Jesus. Well, this caused such a stir that the great enemies of Christ, the Sanhedrin, the Congress of that day and time, sent soldiers and had Peter and John arrested for healing a man in the name of Jesus. In chapter four, we see Peter giving his defense. Look at verse seven. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to you, to all of you and to all the peace of it, people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you healthy. Once again, making a beeline to the name of Jesus, the centrality of the name of Jesus. Later on in his defense, Peter says these strong words, and these are controversial words in our day and time. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Now, let me talk to you folks. This is one of the reasons why Christians are increasingly being hated. If we were simply to say that Jesus is a way to heaven, I think we'd be tolerated. But we're not allowed to do that according to the Bible. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father but by him. There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And because of that exclusiveness, we're, we're called prejudiced, uh, hateful. All those other kind of words are thrown at us. Well... Finally, the Sanhedrin gives their threats in verse 17. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in that name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered him, whether it's in right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. He basically said, you threaten all you want, you can do whatever you want to us, but we will never stop speaking the name of Jesus. Well, let me, at this point in the sermon, give you three reasons why the name of Jesus is so important. Number one, Jesus is the only name that brings salvation. Once again, back to chapter four, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. If someone were to come before God and say, God, in the name of Muhammad, save me, I believe God would say to them, Muhammad didn't die for your sins and rise again. If somebody were to come and say, God, in the name of Buddha, save me, I believe God would say, Buddha didn't die for your sins and rise again. But if we were to come to him and say, God, in the name of Jesus, save me, he would go, oh, that's my one and only son. That's the one who died for you and rose again. Of course, I will save you. So the name of Jesus is important because it's the only name that brings salvation. Number two, 
The name of Jesus is important because our prayers must be in his name. Our prayers must be in his name. John 14, 13 says this. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Now, let me explain. This is far more than what most of us do. Many people say, well, as long as I say these words at the end of my prayer, in Jesus' name, that will give me the answer. No, it's far more. This is not a magic incantation, friends. It's not put your request there and press the button in Jesus' name and out pops your answer. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Let me see if I can help you understand what's meant. To pray in Jesus' name means I'm praying on the basis of his claim on the throne of God, not on the basis of my worthiness or my claim on the throne of God. I'll see if I can illustrate that for you. So many times when I hear people praying, even for good folks, they'll say things like this. Oh, God. Deacon so-and-so is sick. He's such a good man. He's done so much in our church. He's been a great father to his, to his children, a great husband to his wife. He's made such a difference. Lord, if there's anybody who deserves a healing, it's Deacon so-and-so. Well, the prayer that was just prayed is prayed in the name of Deacon so-and-so. And can I give you some bad news? That acts as if we have God in our debt. None of us have God in our debt. None of us have any claim upon him. So when I pray in Jesus' name, what it means is, Lord, I come to you simply on this basis. Jesus Christ's blood was shed for me. I belong to him. I come to you in his name. I come to you with the only claim I have upon you, his worthiness and his death for us. But can I tell you this? If you pray that way, that makes you even more bold in your prayers. Because I'm not praying on the basis of my worthiness. I'm praying on the basis of what he has done for me before the throne of God. But the third reason why the name of Jesus biblically is so important is because we are moving to the day when every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. This is the climax of it all. This is where we're heading. Look at Philippians 2 verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He's talking about hell. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Somehow the name of Jesus will be declared. And at that moment, everyone living and everyone who's ever lived, do you realize the vilest person that's ever lived will put their knees on the ground and declare Jesus is Lord. The the most outrageous Hollywood celebrity is going to put their knees on the ground and declare Jesus is Lord. The most famous atheist in our time will put their knees on the ground and say Jesus is Lord. That's the day we're we're heading toward. And for us Christians, that's the day we're longing for. Now with that basis of the importance of the name of Jesus... I have to share with you, though, that anybody that's looking around will see that there is controversy in our time over the name of Jesus. Several department stores now ban their employees at Christmas time from saying Merry Christmas because the word Christ is in Christmas. Employees are only allowed to say Happy Holidays because they don't want to be non-inclusive. They don't want to offend someone. I think it's offensive Not to say Christmas, but that's my opinion. 
Franklin Graham and Kirby John Caldwell were two pastors that were asked by George W. Bush in 2001 to pray at his inauguration. Beforehand, they got together and they said to each other, are you going to pray in the name of Jesus? Yes. And they said, well, I will too. And they both prayed their prayers in the name of Jesus. Uh, Graham did refer to Jesus as our Savior and he referred to in the name of the Father, of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. That's how he closed his prayer. Alan Dershowitz, who's in the news once again because of his legal support of Trump, wrote a scathing editorial at George Bush and at these two preachers. Let me read to you this editorial in 2001. The very first act of the new Bush administration was to have a Protestant evangelical minister officially dedicate the inauguration of Jesus Christ, whom he declared to be our Savior, invoking the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Billy Graham's son, the man selected by George W. Bush to bless his presidency, excluded the tens of millions of Americans who are Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Shintoists, Unitarians, agnostics, and atheists from his blessing by his exclusive language. Kirby John Caldwell was asked by USA Today why he prayed in Jesus' name. He said, it would be denying who I am to pray any other way. I'm a Christian, so I pray in the name of Jesus. In Gwinnett County and outside of Atlanta, in Gwinnett College, there's a young man named Chike, and I cannot even begin to pronounce his African last name. I have it here, and I'll give it to you to Google yourself if you'd like. Uh, he was a student in, in 2016 at Gwinnett College. He was walking around the campus, handing out tracts and talking to his fellow students about Jesus when campus officials stopped him and explained the rules of the campus. He said, we only allow this kind of discussion about Jesus in approved safe space on the campus. Now, to show you how small the safe space was compared to the regular footprint of the campus, if, say, you made the footprint of the campus to be the size of a football field, the safe space would have been the size of a sheet of paper. So you're only allowed to talk to people about Jesus if you're standing in that safe space zone. So he decided, I'll go by that. And he began talking to people about Jesus in the safe space. But three students complained to the administration and they came to him and they showed him the student handbook that if your speech is offensive, that you have to stop altogether. So they forbade him from talking to anybody about Jesus on the campus of Gwinnett College. The Alliance for Defense Fund, which is a Christian version of the ACLU, took up his case, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And in March of 2021, the Supreme Court ruled eight to one in Chike's favor, saying the campus cannot forbid somebody from talking to a fellow student about Jesus. This safe space thing is unconstitutional. But that's not where the story ends. I didn't know this till I was discussing the sermon with Casey, and I found out that in 2019, Justin and Casey led a group of young people from here to New York City to do a mission trip. Justin knew Chike, and so he had arranged for him to spend time teaching our students how to do street evangelism in New York. So they did street evangelism and uh, uh, talking to people on the streets at Union Station and in Central Park. And, and Casey told me, I've never seen anybody who did a better job of just walking up to people, talking to people about Jesus than Chike. 
Now that was 2019. Let me put you in the timeline again. 2016, he was forbidden. 2021 was when the case was settled. He was still in the midst of that case when he was there in New York City, boldly talking to people about Jesus. Well, let me close with these implications. How do we practically do everything in the name of Jesus? How do we practically do everything in the name of Jesus? Two basic thoughts here. Number one, everything I say and do should point to Jesus as the one who deserves all credit. Everything I say and do should point to Jesus who deserves all credit. Everything we do in this church, folks, should not be in the name of First Baptist that this church be praised. Everything we do here should be that Jesus be exalted and that Jesus be praised. We're not here about the glory of a pastor. We're not here about the glory of our work or our missions. We're here so that more and more people may fall in love with Jesus. I went to a conference sponsored by R.C. Sproul some years ago. And Steve Brown, uh, who became one of my favorite preachers after that conference, I'd never heard of him before, introduced R.C. Sproul. And in that introduction, he came, he was there to, R.C. was the next speaker. He said, I'm excited to introduce someone to you today who's considered to be one of the best teachers who's ever lived. His words have been translated into many languages and taught in schools. His counsel has saved marriages and kept people from committing suicide. He has healed the sick and raised the dead. His name is Jesus. And here's R.C. to tell you about it. I love that. It's as if we're to do tag team. Your turn, get up here, brag on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. To do everything in word or deed about Jesus means that everything points to him. And folks, let me just talk about this one little thing. A lot of times people say, I just, I'm not good with my words. I hope my life will glorify him. There is no witness without words that point literally to the name of Jesus. Let me give you a story. There was a man in a factory one time who thought that his life was his witness. And, and sure enough, he stayed joyful consistently around his co-workers. Uh, he was kind in the way he spoke to people. He never was uh, hateful in any of his speech. He, um, he uh, was calm when things in the world were falling apart or when things at the factory were falling apart. And he thought, they'll see now the difference Jesus has made. One day a lady came up to him and said, I've been watching you. And you stay calm and you seem joyful and there seems to be something different about you. Can I ask you a question? Are you a vegetarian? <laughs> we can't assume that they will know it's Jesus that caused the difference. We have to say it's Jesus that caused the difference. Our lives, our words and deeds must be done in the name of Jesus, but also number two. Everything I say and do should reflect well on the name of Jesus. We are called Christians. By that term, our names are attached to Christ. So that means every way I live, everything I say, how I say things, all of that must be done in such a way that it reflects well on the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is attached to my life. David Livingston was one of the most beloved missionaries to Africa in the 1800s. They loved him in Great Britain where he came from, but they loved him in Africa. And, and to show you how much they loved him in Africa, uh, when he died, the Africans came into his little hut and there was his cot and he had been kneeling down 
on the cot, before the cot with his Bible open, and had died in his prayer. And that's how they found him. Now, the Africans knew that those in Britain would want the body back. In fact, he is buried in Westminster Abbey right now. But they said, we'll do this. We'll go to the coast. We'll put this body on a, on a ship and we'll send it back. But before they took him, they cut his heart out and they buried it in Africa. Because they knew that's where, he, that's where his heart belonged. In his last missionary trip, he went so deep into Africa that he lost touch with the outside world. And so people in Britain were wondering, is he still alive? One newspaper thought this will be a scoop one way or the other. If we find him alive, we can have a reporter stay with him and get some good series of articles. If we find out he's dead, that will be a big, a big scoop and we can sell papers based on that. So they sent a newspaper man named Henry Stanley to go and find him. And it was providential because when he found uh, David Livingston, he had run out of the malaria medicine, was uh, plagued with malaria. So weak, he probably would have died soon. And he was able to bring a fresh batch of quinine so that he could hold that back. But Henry Stanley wasn't expecting what he found in this man. So let me read to you when he gave his articles later on. Let me read to you what he said. For four months and four days, I lived with him in the same hut, on the same boat, or the same tent, and I never found a fault in him. I went to Africa as prejudiced against religion as the worst infidel in the land. To a reporter like myself who only had to deal with wars and political gatherings, sentimental matters were quite out of my province. I was out there a long time and I reflected, why does this solitary old man stop here? What inspires him? For months after we met, I found myself listening to him and wondering at the old man carrying out the words, leave all and follow me. But little by little, seeing his piety, his gentleness, his zeal, his earnestness, and how he quietly went about his business, I was converted by him, although he had not tried to do it. When we do all in the, our words and deeds in the name of Jesus, that means we want to make sure that the impact of our lives draws people to love the name of Jesus, not be turned away from the name of Jesus. Now, let me just give this conclusion. I pray in our church that we will always rally around the flag of the name of Jesus. It's not about the reputation of this church or reputation of any of its pastors. It's all about the glory and the, the, the love for the name of Jesus. We want to make sure that not only do, do we do everything for the name of Jesus, we also want to do, be examine ourselves constantly. Is everything being done in the way that we're doing it that will reflect well on the name of Jesus? Would you pray about that as we go? Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will draw us to get our eyes off of anything but you. Jesus, you are everything. May you be glorified here. May you be glorified in my life. Lord, as I look back over all these long years of ministry, there have been times when the old flesh got a hold of me and, and somebody was turned off from you, and I'm so sorry for that. But may it always be from here on that it's all about you and all about doing everything I can to draw every attention to you. In Jesus' name, amen.